Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Mecklen. Happy Sunday night. Man, I'm so glad to be here with you. It's been a long time since I was here with you. Weeks, at least. I don't remember how long exactly. Time flies when you're having fun, and I've been having a good time. I've been traveling around the country. I've been hanging out with a bunch of you as I do. I got to do our summit, which is one of my favorite things that we could possibly do. 600 plus grassroots activist leaders all together in one place. I mean, I don't know how the building contained them. It was so exciting. So we had our entire staff. We had over 600 grassroots leaders from all around the country come together. Big room, tons of fun. Lots of great speakers. Uh, you know, we had James O'Keefe. We had Dave Rubin. We had Mark Levin. We had Rick Green. We had David Barton. I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but it was just an absolutely fantastic experience. You know, I, I name all those big names, and it's really cool to see those people there, and it's fun, but the best time is hanging out with the grassroots. And I think the best time that the grassroots have is not seeing the speakers. It's hanging out with each other. I heard so many stories of people who are having such a good time just hanging out together, just getting to know each other, you know, people from one state, getting to know people from another state, even people from within a state getting to hang out together. Really, really cool. We did it at the Rosen Center in Orlando, Florida. You can see a bunch of the footage. It's it's online on our website. If you're a grassroots activist, if you're a leader in COS and you missed it, well, it might make you cry to watch the footage. You can see producer G's putting this up on the screen right now. You might weep for what you missed, but know that we're going to do it again. We will announce another summit, and you have to be there. Absolutely the best. The highlight for me, a couple of highlights I just want to hit. One is just hanging out with people. And this is hard. I feel like there needs to be, when we're at summit, maybe something like 29 hours in a day. Because I'm struggling with just 24 hours in a day while I'm there. And really what happens to me is I'm up early. We had a prayer meeting that was going on before, so I was at some of those. And then the sessions start at about 8, 8.30, and then we're rocking and rolling all day long. And I got to bed somewhere between 12.30 and 2.30 every night that we were there. So four nights, I was completely exhausted. It took me days to recover. But that's because while I'm there, I'm hanging out with you, with the grassroots, and there's nothing better. I mean, literally just sitting in the bar, having a drink, uh, meeting people in the hallway, collecting hugs everywhere I went. It was just such a blessing to be with grassroots activists from all over the country. A couple other highlights. One was awarding the Ohio team, the state team of the year award. That's pretty extraordinary. Those guys worked really hard all year long. They've had some rough breaks during session, but they keep charging ahead. So they got awarded in front of all their peers. We awarded a bunch of challenge coins. The recognition to me is always some of the best. And we had a grand finale, which was Mark Levin. And there's nothing like the great one on stage. If you don't watch anything else at the summit, watch that. Because what Mark will tell you is that this, and this movement, these people, you, are the most important thing happening in the United States of America. That if we save the country, Mark says it's going to be because of you. And I agree with him. It was incredible to hear the great one say it. And then I got to interview him on stage for a little bit afterwards. We gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to my good friend and co-founder of Convention of States, Michael Ferris. It was a very emotional moment. He had no idea it's coming. And if you haven't heard this, you need to know, Mike Ferris is retiring from Alliance Defending Freedom, where he's been the CEO for the last several years, doubled that organization in size. 
uh, helped the organization win 13 out of 14 cases that went to the United States Supreme Court, but he's retiring and he's coming back here. He's going to work part-time for ADF, part-time for Convention Estates. We're super excited to have him back. People just flocked to him when they heard he was coming back. Really emotional evening there with Mark Levin and then finishing with the Lifetime Achievement Award named after our good friend Tom Coburn. It is the Tom Coburn uh, uh, George Mason Lifetime Achievement Award. Mike Ferris totally deserves it. It was awesome to see him get in. You can watch all of that at the website. Producer G's been putting up the link, so go check that out. That is the post-summit wrap-up. So you guys know, another thing we talked about is we're going to have a simulated convention next year. That's not a grassroots thing. That's a legislature thing. That's going to be in Williamsburg, Virginia in August of next year. And then we haven't set our next summit yet, but we'll let you know as soon as we do. All right, I want to run through the elections because obviously if you're paying attention, if you're a sentient being and you're paying attention to anything going on in the public sphere right now, you know elections are coming up November 8th. And I want to just kind of rip through them real quick because we have Robert Cahaley working for us. We've been doing calls with our donors once a week, just kind of give an election preview. And I want to talk to you about kind of where we're at in the States. I'm going to pull down some notes here. So I'm going to start with Pennsylvania. Everybody or a lot of people saw the Oz-Fetterman debate. If you didn't see it, you heard about it. Uh, Oz, I don't even know how Oz did, to be honest with you. Nobody's writing about that. Nobody's talking about it. Fetterman. Had a complete and total meltdown. What you're seeing is a guy who lacks mental capacity, lacks the ability to hear, lacks the ability to speak, should not be running for the United States Senate. It's really outrageous. Now, I'll get called ableist by the left for saying this, but the truth is people who struggle to function mentally <coughs> should not be operating in one of the highest offices in the land. That's what the U.S. Senate is, and it requires cogence. Right. I would say it requires intelligence, but, you know, I think Maisie Hirono is in the Senate, so she doesn't count. Obviously, it doesn't require intelligence, but it does require the ability to process thought, speech, to listen. And he lacks those things. So we saw him crash and burn that race now neck and neck between Oz and Fetterman. Some polls have Oz pulling ahead. I'm going to predict Oz pulls that one out. Arizona, Carrie Lake, I think she's the best candidate in the country right now, giving constant master classes on how to handle the media. She's the crossover candidate, I would describe, because not just a MAGA candidate, she's everybody's candidate now. She's got moderates, she's got MAGA Republicans, she's got never Trumpers. She is awesome, and she is going to be the next governor of Arizona. I think her quality of candidacy is likely to pull Blake Masters across the line in Arizona. That's pulling almost neck and neck now. I think she drags him across the finish line. Georgia, we saw Herschel Walker have some trouble, ran into some scandal stuff then outperformed in the debate, and he is kicking butt. He's now ahead in the polls. He's going to beat Raphael Warnock in Georgia. The Purdue, Stacey Abrams race for governor. Stacey Abrams is going to go on in her own mind, win the governorship again, and she's going to be the second-term fantasy governor of Georgia. Well, uh, Purdue actually becomes the governor of Georgia. In Nevada, it looks like Adam Laxalt is going to win the Senate race there. He's ahead by somewhere between two and four points. I think the governor's race goes to the Republican as well by right now it looks like six or eight points. So Nevada's a flip state. That's going to be incredible. New Hampshire, here's one nobody thought was in the docks. Maggie Hassan now running for her life against General Balduck. General Balduck, when he was polled against Maggie Hassan in the primaries, he beat her in a direct matchup in the primaries when it was pulled. But there was a fracture in the Republican Party post 
primary. So a lot of people were mad that Baldock won the primary. They've now come home. Looks like he's got a really good shot. I predict Baldock wins the, the Senate race in New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire potentially becomes an all-red state at that point. Michigan, uh, this is another surprise race. You've got Tudor Dixon versus Governor Whitmer. Witless Whitmer, as I've long called her. Dixon, again, another female candidate for the Republican Party and top-tier amazing woman, again, giving regular masterclasses in how to handle the media. Unbelievable how she ended up being the candidate. A bunch of Republicans used a poll or a, a canvassing company to collect petitions to get themselves on the ballot. Turned out that company had subcontracted to, I think, a Democrat-owned company who scammed these folks. They didn't qualify for the ballot. Tudor Dixon ends up being the candidate. And she looks unstoppable. They're neck and neck with Whitmer right now. If you're in Michigan, get out and vote. You're going to make the difference late. But I think we're going to have a Republican governor in Michigan. And it will be so fun to say goodbye to Whitless Whitmer. Next up is Ohio. That's the J.D. Vance race. Look, I don't think that ever was a race. Robert Cayley from Trafalgar says it's a J.D. Vance Senate seat. So that one's on its way. North Carolina, Ted Budd is the the candidate, the Republican candidate for Senate in North Carolina. He's been consistently up by three. Now that looks like four. This is the race to watch as the bellwether race. And what I mean by that is watch the results as they come in early from North Carolina. North Carolina does a good job with their election system. Uh, you're going to see the counts coming in early. What you're likely to see is the Democrat leading early as the research triangle, the Raleigh-Durham area comes in. You're going to see that. And if that candidate, if the Democrats winning by less than, say, eight points, that's a great night for Ted Budd and a great night for the country because you would need a Democrat blowout in the research triangle for Ted Budd not to win. I don't think we're going to see that. I think you're going to see under eight points. That means the whole country looks good for Republicans. Bellwether count or Bellwether election, North Carolina. Next up is Wisconsin. Wisconsin is really the Ron Johnson election is the main question. Also the governor's race. So Ron Johnson looks good as long as he keeps talking about Wisconsin. He tends to want to talk about the Hunter Biden laptop. I want him to do that after he wins his reelect. So he's looking good as long as he focuses on Wisconsin. I think he's going to pull the Republican across the line. I think Evers is going to lose his seat. I think we're going to have a Republican legislature and a Republican governor and a Republican senator be reelected there. And so Wisconsin is looking very red. Washington State? Wait, we're going to talk about Washington State? How is that possible that we could be talking Washington State? Because it's an outlier, I know. But this is a wave election, and we have another one of these incredible female candidates there for the Republican Party, Tiffany Smiley, I would say among the top three candidates with Carrie Lake and Tudor Dixon, and she's just solid. She's really smart. She's really articulate. She has a great backstory. She's married to a disabled veteran who was blinded in Iraq. She's done an incredible job with that campaign. Patty Murray is very vulnerable, not that well-liked in Washington. Seattle is in the toilet. You've all seen it in the media. It is possible in a really big wave, eastern uh, Washington state kind of outweighs Seattle and Tacoma area, and we could see Tiffany Smiley in the Senate. That would be incredible and exciting. Oregon's another place where it looks like the unbelievable is going to happen. I think you're going to see a Republican governor in Oregon. I think, again, this is because of the state of Portland, just like Seattle. It's turned into a living hellhole, and people are frustrated, and they're not excited to vote for Democrats. So look for a Republican governor's win in Oregon. 
And then finally, let's go to New York. New York is the crazy one. Kathy Hochul, I think she looks likely to lose to Lee Zeldin. Hochul running neck and neck with Zeldin right now. Zeldin was not expected to have a chance. He's not raised anywhere near the money she has. But he's a damn good candidate. She's just terrible. I mean, she's absolutely terrible. I think the Cuomo machine is against her, too. Remember, she took over for Cuomo, who resigned in disgrace. And I think the Cuomo machine is trying to rehabilitate Cuomo. I think they'd rather have Lee Zeldin in there, a Republican that they can try to beat later on. And so I think the Cuomo machine's not working for Kathy Hochul, maybe working against Kathy Hochul. I think upstate New York is solidly Republican. I think downstate, I think if you look at Manhattan, if you, if you look there, you look at the Bronx, they're going to depress the Democrat vote because crime is high. The economy has been in a shambles, right? Inflation is way up. Cost of living is way up. So folks aren't enthused in the Democrat-dominated areas to vote Democrat. So that's kind of my overview. I also think it's important to look at the state-level elections, the state legislatures. I think we have a potential pickup. We're going to flip one house in Minnesota. That's now going to be both houses controlled by Republicans. I think you have a potential flip for both houses in Maine, one house in Colorado. And there's just a lot of stuff going on. And this is going to be a bloodbath, a tsunami, a red wave, whatever you want to call it. I don't think I've ever smiled so much to say bloodbath and tsunami, right? In the positive, most positive sense, I think this is what we see coming. Republicans appear to be peaking at the right time, and Democrats are just in chaos. And you can see this by the way Democrats are moving their money around. They're moving into sure races with their money, trying to protect seats, trying to stem the tide. Uh, there, there's an organization called AdWatch. You can watch this money moving around. And so I think they know that they're in trouble. I think it's going to be really interesting. I am going to be ready with a, you know, cracked champagne, pop the top of the champagne on election night. And I hope that we wake up in a much more conservative country. Uh, let's go to Twitter because that's super positive news this week. Elon Musk closed the sale. He has now dubbed himself the top twit at Twitter. <laughs> you got to love just his sense of humor and he tweeted a picture of himself coming into Twitter headquarters, carrying what looks like a bathroom sink. And he said, I'm now the top twit at Twitter. Let that sink in. And he's carrying a sink. You got to love his sense of humor. And he continued with his sense of humor this week as he went in and started swinging the hatchet around. And he laid off the CEO. He laid off the CFO. He laid off the top lawyer and a whole bunch of other top executives. And he says he's going to lay off 75% of the staff. I said bloodbath earlier, and it was uh, made me smile. It's making me smile again. Employees are sending letters to him saying they demand respect, and they demand to keep their jobs, and they demand, or what? Or, or what are they going to do, quit? I mean, he says he wants to fire 75% of them. I also saw in the news today that he brought the, uh, the uh, a computer engineer. Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought there brought computer engineers over from Tesla to begin going through the code uh, at Twitter to see what they need to fix. I think when he pulls the pants down on Twitter, I think they're going to find some really ugly stuff that they didn't expect to find. We're going to learn how many bots there are, how many accounts are real. It's going to be kind of funny because I think we're going to find some people that maybe you or I think are really famous on Twitter or think they are really famous on Twitter and Maybe they're going to find out they only had a thousand followers for real. So I think all that stuff is being cleaned up. I think you're going to see a lot more free speech. I expect you're going to see President Trump reinstated here shortly. Like the lawyer that 
banned President Trump, the lead lawyer, the chief general counsel there. He's been fired. The lawyer that said it was okay to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story is gone. So things are changing at Twitter. Like again, the blood's flowing in the halls. I mean, not real blood. Let's let's just be, I don't want anybody to freak out. We don't want to get banned on Twitter. Oh, wait, we won't get banned on Twitter. The blood's flowing in the halls, proverbially speaking, metaphorically speaking. And I think it's really good. I think there's just a lot of joy. There's just so much fun to see Twitter employees leaving with their boxes in their arms, all the people who were trying to make your life miserable, my life miserable, who were shadow banning or actual banning or suspending people, they're gone. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at Twitter. I can't predict it. Musk even can't predict it. He said, look, he's going to go in there. He's going to try and fix it, but he can't predict what's going to happen. I predict he's going to be successful. And yet, while Twitter won't be able to censor anymore, the censorious censors keep censoring because they can't help themselves. It's what they do. So now lately what's happened is a letter from a bunch of editors and writers and copywriters and I don't know, maybe useless people in the publishing industry. They're saying that Penguin Random House should not publish SCOTUS Justice Amy Coney Barrett's book, right? Because they can't allow a book to be out there that might say something that they don't like. They've got to censor it rather than refuting what's in it or arguing about what's in it or saying it's not factual or it's poorly written or whatever it is they would say. They just want to ban the book. They want to make sure that it can't be purchased, that you can't go on Amazon and buy this book. Makes me want to pre-order the book. You know what I'm saying? And I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff. Now, as far as uh, Penguin Random House, I haven't talked to them. I haven't seen their response. I assume they're going to still publish. If they don't, maybe Musk needs to buy a Penguin Random House too. Maybe it just needs to be shuttered. I don't know. We're going to see what happens with that, but they keep trying to censor. You know, the one person that people ought to censor, and when I say people, I mean like his family, his handlers, Joe Biden. Joe Biden not to be censored because he clearly absolutely is out of his mind. He has dementia. I think he has fairly advanced dementia right now. And I don't know if you saw this this week, but he was talking about a bill he was proposing. And he said his bill says that there would be no more than eight bullets in a round. No, no more than eight bullets in a round. Say what? What does that even mean? You know, what is with these people who want gun control? They don't know the difference between a bullet, a round, a casing, a clip, a magazine, a high what high capacity means. They don't understand any of this stuff. They just say crazy stuff. So I would say to Crazy Joe, Dementia Joe, hey, look, if you want to ban any ammunition that has more than eight bullets in a round, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but go ahead, I guess. Could you... Is it possible to get eight bullets in a round? I mean, I, I can't even imagine that. Uh, but that's what he wants to do. So, look, more power to you, Joe. Good luck getting that done. You're going to do something that's impossible if you do it because there are no bullets with eight bullets in a round. <sighs> There's just so much crazy. It's I run out of breath for all the crazy. Here's another crazy one. Remember Jesse Smollett? Like, who wants to remember Jesse Smollett? I don't want to remember Jesse Smollett. But we really don't have a choice because what we have in the news is DOJ official Kristen Clark is now going to hold a seminar on identifying hate crimes, okay? This is now her job. She's holding a seminar. I'm, I'm sure her title, I forget what it is. It's got to be something like 
head of diversity and justice and equity and inequity, LBGTQ plus minus, I don't know what her title is, but she's holding the seminar. And it's important to note that she was a person who came out publicly and said, Jesse Smollett was telling the truth and anybody who thought he wasn't was a racist, was uh, attacking the victim, was a denier. Like she went after people hard who questioned the Jesse Smollett hoax. Did she ever apologize for that? Mm, no, she didn't. And now she's going to tell you how to identify a hate crime. Yeah, she's going to tell you that because obviously she's so good at it. These are the experts in Washington, D.C., right? These are your betters, the experts, the elites. Kristen Clark, I think you should probably figure out this is a little bit ironic and maybe you don't want to hold this seminar. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. In stuff that's not crazy, let's talk about what's going on in COS right now. Uh, Rick Santorum was just in Pennsylvania. He held a caucus meeting in Pennsylvania, met with a bunch of legislators talking about moving COS forward there. So that's really good. That's his home territory. They love Rick and the legislature there. Great stuff going on. We got good stuff going on in Ohio. Had a conversation yesterday with the Senate president. Said we'll have to see what happens after the election. Maybe we'll be moving it forward right after the election. I don't know. Lots of support in the Ohio House and Senate. Uh, North Carolina, still maybe a tiny possibility for this year. But really what we're doing right now, what we are doing at COS is beefing up the grassroots, doing get out the vote, because I told you all that election stuff. That's get out the vote. That's what we do. As an organization, we work hard to get out the vote all over the country. We'll be involved in over 450 races. Make sure you get with your COS team and see what you can do to help as we close the home stretch. Contact low propensity voters. Get out the vote. That's the important thing. So that's what we're doing. And we're prepping for legislative session next year. We do that by getting our targets, getting uh, information in the hands of legislators, making sure after legislators win their elections, we know who the new legislators are, who we have to contact, who left. There's always turnover. Your job, our job, the grassroots job is to contact those people, make sure they're educated on and in support of Convention of States. All right, we're going to go to Q&A. If you want to upload a video question for me, you can do that at conventionofstates.com forward slash battle cry. Try to keep that under 30 seconds or so, so we can keep it short and tight. I'd love to see your smiling faces. Most of you guys seem too shy to do that, but go to conventionofstates.com forward slash battle cry, or you can email your questions, which is what most people do, to battlecry at cosaction.com. All right, we're going to start with Pat Norma Tippett. She said she read a post showing dollar bills and pointed out they had individual serial numbers. In fact, all of our bills do. Why can't our voting ballots have the same thing on them? Pat Norma, I think they should. Uh, look, the, the one concern that people are afraid of is they want to make sure that your vote remains anonymous. And this is really important. We don't want people to know how you vote. Only you should know how you vote. So we need to figure out a system that is serialized. I agree with that. That shows, but then you can go look and make sure that it reflects how you know that you voted. It's doable. Our system in the United States of America sucks compared to a lot of countries. And so we need to go out there, study what's best and most secure around the world and get it done. Part of that is in some way serializing the ballot process. All right, Sebastian Porcena says, at a convention, should Congress fail to reform this Electoral Count Act of 1886 
What are two most important things that delegates should focus on to ensure that the chaos of 2020 never happens again? All right, I'm going to back up a little bit here, Sebastian, because a lot of people don't know what the Electoral Count Act of 1886 is. And that's the act that says how we count the stuff that comes out of the Electoral College. What are the rights of the states? What are the rights of the electors? And we could enshrine something like that in the Constitution, thus limiting the power of the federal government to control it. So I think that's the kind of stuff that can and should be done at convention if Congress hasn't done it. And even if Congress has done it and we feel they've done it effectively, we may want to enshrine that in the Constitution. Marsha Clark says, can we get rid of the income tax and the IRS? Yes, yes, and hell yes, Marsha. We can and we should. The income tax uh, came into being by the 16th Amendment. People said it would never get as high as 2%. And here we are today, right? Obviously, it's real bad. It's out of control. And what I think we should do is return that power to the states. The state should remit all taxes to the federal government, not the individual. That's the way the founders intended it. So if the federal government wants to set a rate for states and then make the states collect that from the federal, or sorry, from the taxpayer, that gives the taxpayer representation. And that gives the states a reason to fight back against taxation by the federal government. So yeah, I think we get rid of the 16th and then we for sure get rid of the IRS. And frankly, I think we need to get rid of the IRS even if we don't get rid of the 16th Amendment. And we do that by simplifying our income tax, something like the fair tax or the flat tax. I'm not taking a side here, guys. But something very simple where you can just fill out a postcard and that's your tax return. That's what we need to get back to. That's difficult, by the way, and really only doable by a convention of states because the idea that it's complicated and difficult and there's all these write-offs and all these special favors and punishments for particular industries. Those things, we consider them a burden, but they're considered the feature. They're not a bug when Congress looks at it. They're the feature. It's what allows them to reward their friends and punish their enemies, and it really needs to go. So simplify the tax code, get rid of the income tax, and for sure get rid of the IRS. And by the way, I just I got to say this. It's not exactly on subject. 87,000 new IRS agents, no. No. Just simply, absolutely not. No, that's what we need to say. And by the way, when the Republicans take Congress and don't let them tell you that they can't, they can stop anything they want by not funding it. The question is, will they have the testicular fortitude to not fund stuff? And they'll say, oh my God, but then Joe Biden will shut down the government. Well, let Joe Biden do that. Let him do it. Let him veto the budget that they pass. They can pass a budget that contains all of the necessary stuff they don't have to shut down anything that would really cause pain to most Americans, but most of the federal government can be shut down. And by the way, you won't notice it and I won't notice it. And so that's what we need to do. Republicans need to stand strong. They need to defund stuff. They have the absolute power to do it once they take the House of Representatives. Last question, Luann Pinkham asked, how many states have signed on to COS so far? Luann, it takes exactly 34 states to call a convention. So far, 19 have done so. We're well past the halfway mark. Uh, four in this year alone. We might get a fifth before the year is out. And then we're going to get a bunch more that are lined up next year. So way past the halfway mark. We're on our way to finishing this off. With we with us adding states with both houses controlled by Republicans, I think we're going to move a lot in 2023. I'm super excited for 2023. I hope you guys are as excited as I am. I know, by the way, there's a new feature we're going to start. We're going to tell some grassroots stories every week on this battle cry. And so if you've got a story again, you can put them in uh, to conventionofstates.com forward slash, or sorry, right to battlecry 
at cosaction.com. You can put your questions there. You could also put stories of grassroots activism. We're going to choose some from the grassroots every week and tell those. Uh, you should join your local COS team. Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash take action. Uh, make sure you sign up forward slash take underscore action. Producer G has it on the screen right now. Go there, sign up, get involved, save the country, be a responsible citizen, and I will see you next week on The Battle Cry. God bless you guys. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.